Hi, I'm Holiday Kirk, and thank you for listening to the New Metal Agenda podcast. If you want to help further expand the New Metal Agenda, check us out on patreon.com slash newmetal underscore agenda. Membership perks include ad-free episodes, Patreon-exclusive podcasts, the ability to submit questions for guests ahead of time, free merch, and more. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Holiday Kirk. Welcome to the New Metal Agenda podcast. Tonight's my co-host, Double Z. What's up? Coming to you live out of Southern California. We got a big one for the show tonight. This is a dream guest of mine, speaking personally. I'm, I'm shocked that this is happening at all, and I'm honored to have him on the show. Nick Giamenti of My Ticket Home. Well, thanks, man. The, uh, the honor is mine, for sure. I appreciate you having me. Holy fuck. I remember how I found you guys. I had already had the Twitter, the, the gimmick account, big Twitter account for a while, and someone, I think, DM'd me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going through DM requests, and someone had sent me um, the song Hot Soap. And I think they had pitched it to me as being new metalcore. So, like, immediately I was like, well, this is going to suck. I, <laughs> I do not fucking, I cannot fucking stand metalcore at all. I hate metalcore. And then when people call it new metalcore, it's like, oh, you're just pandering to me, right? And then I put the song on, and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty damn good. I did not, bro, I did not know anybody on planet earth was making music like that in 2013 i was floored and then i you know went and got the album strangers only listened to the whole thing floored again like i and i always tell people this and i'm almost tired of telling people this and and every time i post a, a my ticket home song people always say the same thing they're like they were so ahead of their time and i mean it, it's crazy to even think but i think that that you guys open the doors for bands now to integrate new metal elements into their more traditional metal and metal core sounds. Damn. Well, I'm, I'm not sure if I can um, like take credit for that. I mean, it's cool that you feel that way though. I mean, it, we didn't think we were doing anything like that. We just kind of uh, were making stuff up as we went and, and we certainly didn't think of ourselves as, as opening the door for anybody else. But if, if it was the case that people took influence, then, then I'm definitely happy about that. So uh, yeah, thank you for putting it that way. It's cool to cool to hear someone think of it like that, I guess. Well, the problem I have with metalcore is like to me, metalcore has always sounded like busy rock because metalcore would have been like a very big <laughs> yeah. genre of rock and metal music to emerge after the fall of commercial rock and metal. And it always sounded like it was just trying very hard to keep your attention the entire time. It was like, oh, we have these EDM parts and we have these synth breakdowns and mm -hmm. we have a triple stacked clean harmony going on for the, <laughs> for, for the choruses. And then, you know, that's how that's how Strangers Only was pitched to me. And I was expecting the same. And it's not that. It's not that at fucking all. Like, you guys just picked, like, three things you're really good at and hammered those into oblivion for every song. And it's like, it was like, yeah, you know? Like, I can like I can hear the more modern metalcore, if, it, if you would say so, elements going on. But you also don't stretch yourselves to your breaking point. You're not like, we need to have some synthesizers in this mm. song or anything mm -hmm. like that. And um, I think I'm curious to know at the time again so 2013 i mean if we take it back to 2013 just to be clear new metal was a fucking joke it was not something anyone wanted to be or looked up to in any sense of the word um yeah, only bands it, in the mainstream still doing it were fucking punchlines five finger death yeah. and hollywood undead yeah it was a clown show nobody cared about new metal everyone just thought new metal was a huge mistake and um it, it's it's interesting to me though first of all did you ever consider yourselves as such um as new metal um yeah. Yeah, I, I, eh, sort of yes and no. Um, there were 
So it's funny, right? So I'm, um, I'm 30 now. So at the time when we did strangers only, I was 20. Um, and it's funny because I, I think that like our age was kind of kept us oblivious to that fact. Like I, I had no idea that new metal was considered like not cool by a large uh, section of musicians. Um, and I'm not like the most educated on the timeline of things or, or what, what bands are what genre. So <laughs> I, I might reveal my ignorance on, um, you know, what I like take references from, but it was funny when after that record came out and we started touring on it, um, people were telling us, oh, you sound like this band or you sound like that band. Um, and they would be, you know, these references from these older bands from the 90s and the 2000s. And, you know, they were all kind of in that new metal category. And I had never heard any of them. They were like, oh, you like, um, you know, they'd be like, oh, you sound like uh, the song sounds like a helmet song or, um, you know, Edema or some of these other bands that I'm like, I'd never heard, never heard of them at all. People I didn't even compare you to Edema. No, 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 no. They didn't. But like, no, the, I think they did. I agree. I like to think that that was real because that's funny as fuck. Someone did use that, <laughs> use that band. But um, like they were talking about like a riff or a part, not like an overall uh, comparison, I, if I remember correctly. But like even I didn't even listen to to Deftones or Korn, had never listened to them. Like, I mean, I heard had heard the songs, but like weren't like soaked in it like I became after the fact, you know? Um, so, yeah, it was funny. Like, uh, we didn't really think we were, I guess, I mean, new metal, yes and no. Like, we were into, you know, like Limp Bizkit and, um, you know, I grew up on like Slipknot and Linkin Park and stuff. So it, there was always like new metal influences and, and, and was into that, those types of bands. Um, but definitely not, not all of them, you know, did you guys get some shit for this? Uh, no, I don't really, nobody cared at all. Cause we weren't that big of a band and, um, the label at the time we weren't like a, a, a big, um, you know, draw for them. And I don't really think they knew how to market it or, 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 you know, our, our first record wasn't that popular. So, so just to give you some background, the timeline was, um, we got signed right after high school and we had an EP finished that the label signed us for. And then we were trying to get tours, but we couldn't really get any tours because at the time, if you didn't have a full length, if you had an EP, you, you didn't have a record. Basically they were like, you have to, um, they were like, you guys should make a full length because no one really cared about an EP and we weren't that popular. We're still very new, right? So we decided to make a, a full length, did that. Um, and that was 2011, 20, yeah, 2012, 2011, something like that. You're talking about to create a cure? Yeah, yeah. And that was, I was like 18 something, right? So we had never, never done a tour, never done nothing. We were just like, okay, let's go back into the studio and try to do a full length. So we did that and it was okay. Like there was uh, one song that the music video got some views, but really we did a bunch of tours on that record. Um, and then, you know, they're small tours, club tours and stuff like that. We were, we were um, earning our stripes and, and playing the, the small rooms and it was a blast, man. It was a good time. Um, but I think that over that course, we kind of um, lost the, the love for metalcore a little bit from, from, playing with so many bands it started yeah, to feel fucking whack Sorry. <laughs> no Sorry. no dude no it's i mean well so it's weird right like sometimes you go back to the bands that you listened to growing up and you're like some of it holds up and some of it doesn't right sometimes you're like man i'm i had like i was right on the money this is good like i still see the appeal to this like 
maybe it doesn't hit you exactly the same as when you were a kid, but like you get it, you know? And then sometimes you listen to a band and you're like, oh, I was, you know, I was way off on that one. But so I, I still think that like metalcore has its values, you know, for, for what it was at the time. And it was, it was, you know, it was so much fun. And I, I understood the draw, but after a while with, with all these bands, it, it, it felt like it was, there was no difference from band to band. And I remember, um, I'm kind of rambling now, but I remember we, uh, that's the idea. Yeah. Okay, cool. Keep well, going. <laughs> we were, we were having some interview and I can't remember. I was, this was on that record though, you know? Um, and the lady asked me this question as she's like, so there's all these bands, you know, that play this, this heavy type of music. What, what makes your guys' band unique or different? And I'd like, I didn't have a good answer. I was like, well, I don't really know that anything makes us unique. We just, we were just doing our own interpretation of it and we think it's cool. And I kind of, I always remember that question because I was like, damn, I, I guess there should be a better answer than that. But I don't, I don't know that there was or that we had one, you know? So um, not to say that then we, you know, had some deliberate intention of being unique. We didn't really know what we wanted to do, but I think that we kind of knew what we didn't want to do. Um, and so that was just kind of then we when we decided to do the next record, we knew, I guess, yeah, we knew what we didn't want to do, which was repeat the first one. What I really love about Strangers Only is you guys were writing, and I admire this every time I listen to it, you guys were writing choruses and not hooks. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's something that was really lost on modern metal after Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory came along. Because what I noticed about a lot of metal chorus songs is that they they do this thing I always talk about where it's called... I mean, I call it this bearing down on the hook. And you know, it happens when, especially when like the chorus goes to like half time and the mm. vocals suddenly shift into something really clean and, and soaring. And, and like, you mm. kind of know in your head, you're like, ah, yes, the catchy part. Ah, mm-hmm. we've arrived. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, with this album, especially a song like, like keep alone, which has a soaring hook, but it arrives at that naturally. Like you guys were playing the song and were like, oh, you know, it'd be sick right here. Like you weren't in a boardroom and thinking like, we need, mm. you know, we need something catchier. Mm-hmm. Part. Like you were writing choruses and the album tops out at 33 fucking minutes. Amazing. And my favorite song on the album, which is Spit Not Chewed, makes me want to fight God. <laughs> every, <laughs> Thank you, man. Every time that song kicks in, I'm like, I'm coming, Lord. I'm climbing mm. up that ladder. I'm going to beat your ass because that song goes <laughs> so crazy. That's like top 10 hardest, heaviest new metal songs I've ever heard in my life. Wow, dude. I, that's, um, I'm very flattered and honored to have you say that, man. Thank you. Um, I was walking into my building today listening to that song. And I was like thinking about, I was like, why are the people in front of me giving me weird looks? And I realized because I was listening to that song and I was like clenching my fists and walking <laughs> really fast. <laughs> I was like, Sick, I was like, man. yeah. That's- that's fantastic, man. I mean, um, yeah, it's, uh, we kind of, um, yeah, we want, I remember I'm trying to, it's been a while. So I'm trying to think back to the headspace we were in at the time. I remember thinking that, um, you know, obviously, you know, we're younger kids and, you know, we still have angst and aggression and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I remember, th- I remember thinking, and I remember us saying amongst ourselves that we wanted the songs to be a little bit more fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know? That like, was the next thing I was going to bring up, too, is that it's it's the album's fucking funny. Like mm-hmm. like when you kick teenage cremation off being like, hey, my unborn friend, do you right. like your mom? Do you like your dad or like or like my favorite lyric on 
you all know better than me when it gets to like the bridge and you or, or and you're screaming like my brain is leaking out glue like that's that's another big part of new metal that people don't remember is that these songs were often really funny mm, and mm-hmm. i think that it gets emotions and points along better when you're having a little sense of humor about it yeah um definitely and a lot of that came from from limp biscuit at the time we were we're big biscuit fans and um which i just want to say in 2013 as 21 year olds is fucking insane you guys were (laughs) you guys were iconoclasts wow that's yeah so uh, because it's that whole the whole idea i i think it was like um it was a, a reflection of our age right we were kind of too young to remember when new metal sort of came out and was was really kind of like ridiculed and looked down in by a, a lot of you know people in the sort of similar realm and i remember um so we did a tour uh when the record came out we toured with this band called night versus um awesome guys great buddies of mine um i'm still super close with them obviously doing this new project with nick their guitar player and we talked about this with them a lot because they're just a little bit older um and they're um you know been playing in bands for a long time and they were telling us you know it's like oh it's really cool to see that you guys are like like owning you know the the new metal thing or whatever and i just remember thinking like what do you mean like we're not i didn't realize that we were i guess that we were doing something that other people would you know consider was like oh it's that's surprising that you would do that to us it just seemed natural because we just heard the music and liked it you know um but yeah we wanted the tracks to have a little bit more you know uh like not not to make them funny per se but just to have them be fun to be a little bit more like lively and and like a party um and a big thing of that i think a lot was the drums you know uh there's a the big thing with metalcore of the drums being like uh like the kick just plays whatever the guitar riff is and the the cymbals just keep the tempo and um my brother marshall our drummer i think did a great job of incorporating beats um and and adding the 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 groove um to the riffs you know i think that was a big part of um what was a big shift for us at the time from from writing the traditional metalcore stuff was the drums and the groove and the pocket um of of the songs yeah, that definitely separated you guys from the rest of that metalcore scene because Kirk said it a million times, but it's true. New metal is a genre of drummers. It mm-hmm. is built time. on that fucking groove. Big time. Yeah. And like so many of the riffs on this record, it sounds like you could pick up a guitar in the right tuning and figure it out by ear. Yeah. Like it's like it's just yeah. like a lot of like six six zero or zero two three zero two threes. And, yeah. and that is like what I mean, that's that's a, another big part of new metal. And I think the miraculous thing about what you're saying is that it's it's like you guys arrived at the new metal sound naturally. Like you mm-hmm. were never like you were never like we could embrace this because it's ironic or this no, is yeah, not right yeah. now. You were just like, man, this shit kicks ass. And like you were saying, it's because you didn't have that frame of reference for it being, to borrow a modern term, like cringe or anything like that, because you're too young to remember like the downfall. I think that's why people that are more in like my age group, mid 20s, love new metal so much is to us, it was just metal the whole time. It was never like a joke of a genre. It was just a band we grew up listening to, like Linkin Park and Korn and all that. Absolutely, man, for sure. I mean, you're exactly right. There was there was no frame of reference. And you know, it really didn't feel like there was any stakes because, you know, we weren't some big band with tons of fans and, you know, um, a, a label, you know, like eagerly hanging on what we're going to do or, you know, it was like, I just remember thinking, 
but you know we were in the um the basement of our the band house and in the in our little home studio writing this stuff and you know we we really could just do whatever we wanted because nobody was nobody was concerned you know and i remember just thinking just having such a good time with with the guys and and just working on music all the time and uh yeah it was there was there was a little bit of a struggle at the beginning of you know we didn't really uh, we didn't know what we wanted to do so we're just kind of trying everything and then i think once we had maybe you know three or four songs it it kind of started to get a little bit more cohesive i remember like the first two or three songs we demoed you know there were probably like 20 30 versions of those songs and then by the time we got to you know the last you know two or three songs it was like version one version two that's the record um so yeah it was it was a lot of trial and error i guess at the beginning this now this part though is is a little a little tricky to bring up the album didn't do so well am i oh, right dude, no not at all it did terribly it, well because we weren't we weren't a big band to begin with right and we were i think we're a good example of like uh how to do everything wrong like as a band and and we um like here's a good this is a good example of of the type like so we recorded strangers only right and then normally when you record a record and you want to promote it you try to get like a really good tour to release the record on well we couldn't get any real like good tours so we're like okay well we'll headline a tour so we decided we're gonna headline shows uh you know across the us we'll do it in two sections so we decide that we're gonna go on tour we do this and we're gonna the headlining band and we don't really want to play our first record because it doesn't sound anything like what we're writing now and we're not really that into it anymore we want to play this record but this record's not out yet so we were like, fuck it. We're going to play only new songs from this record that no one has heard, play none of the old songs, and that's going to be our set for our headlining tour. Like, just That sounds that, like a good way to piss off your fans and people that don't know who you are. It was, yeah, it's, a perf- it's just a perfect example of us just being like, ah, well, that sounds like more fun for us, and we'll think that's cool, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. But it's, it's like, like you get to play shows as a brand new band. Ah, yeah, I know. I, I, yes, but that's a, from an outward-facing, you know, like a business perspective, anyone would be like, that's probably not a good idea. Um, and, or like, fun. yeah, or like... Um, I remember thinking it was really funny how when the music video for Hot Soap came out, people were talking about the record like it was new. Uh, so here's another example what not to do. We put out the record and then, you know, kind of had no real promotion with it or anything like that. And we filmed and I filmed and made the music video for Hot Soap seven months after the record had came out. And then we put that video out. And people kind of liked the video and it got a little bit of traction for us but it was seven months after the record it came out like who like what were we thinking you know um well yeah. what happened with rise we didn't really have um rise like a, records by the way to the, everyone out there yeah uh, we didn't really have like a i just remember thinking there wasn't like a cohesive plan for releasing the record and we didn't do a good job ourselves of of pre-planning things you know we always kind of had ideas and and didn't follow through very well at the time um and we i think we had good work ethic in the things that we cared about but just unfortunately you know all the extra stuff that is so crucial in promoting your band um you know we just weren't we just didn't prioritize like we should have and i think that was to our downfall at the at the time and over the years you know we kind of that was i think something that we <laughs> could improve if we well, I think you're music. being too I think you're being too hard on yourself because it's also like what fucking sounded like this in 2013 
But more importantly, what sounded like this and was good? Yeah. Just you guys, pretty much. Like nothing. Nobody was doing this in 2013. Nobody was doing like a really stripped back and authentic take on new metal in 2013. And I'm saying this as someone that doesn't really like heavy music as is. Like in 2013, I was probably listening to Lord in the 1975. Mm. So I'm way out of the loop on this one. But I don't know of anything in that year that would have been sounded like I'm this. sorry, Call of Duty Kirk, but sometimes you just disgust me. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. What did I say? <laughs> Listen to Lord in 1975. It was tw- it was 2013, you know? We were all living I mean, our phases. We can't all be Nick here doing the cool thing. I like yeah, I, 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 well, I, I she has some good songs and so does See? 1975. I, all right, all right. Not to not I no there are no wrong opinions in my mind. Like if you if you think they suck, then I think that then for you they suck. If you think they're good, I, then then they're you know, then they're good. I don't um have like issues with with stuff outside of, you know, genres and, and stuff like that. Also, so, to be fair, I was listening to fucking Hollywood and Dead back then. So, oh, <laughs> okay. oh, oh, and you're gonna give me shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I am. Okay. We'll My excuse is I was 15 back then. You were you know an what? adult. So. You know what? Good point. Good point. That math isn't mathing, by the way. By the way, Nick, you said you're 30 now, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm also 30. Back's killing me. But then in 2013, you would have been 21. Right? No, because when my birthday was when we did the record. So the record, when the record came out, I think I was 21. But when we recorded it, we were 20. And I remember this for a fact because uh, we came home from doing the record. We did the record in New Jersey. And I think like the night we came home or like the next night, some friends wanted to go out and we went to a bar and I got in and but they like the first thing i did was like went to the bathroom and washed the x's off my hands and tried to <laughs> get a drink and 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 we got we got kicked out and we didn't get like arrested but we got kicked out and like fined and i remember i felt really bad because my cousin um who had just turned 21 went with us and i convinced him to like get me drinks or whatever and he got we both got kicked out and I felt bad because he was like totally stressed. But so I, I do remember that happening vividly after we came back from doing the record. So I know I wasn't 21 uh, at the time of recording, but maybe you when it came out. Broke edge for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you speak a little bit, though, about your bandmates, like where they're at and what their inspirations were around this time? Um, yeah. So let's see. Uh, we all loved hip hop. Um, and I think that helped us gravitate towards like the new metal side of things because it's it's beats right it's the rhythm it's the flow um you know i think that like so much of what makes rap so great and what gives it that energy and the drive or the rhythm i think we tried to translate to to the heavy and the sort of rock um side of things which made it easy for us because there were bands that were already doing that right i mean there's so much of the new metal side of things takes influences from rap and hip-hop um, but okay, so let's see the other guys. I th- I would say uh, Matt Gallucci was um, guitar, and he was like the most uh, like alternative um, and like really really knowledgeable with um, you know these older type of band like um, bands from that I didn't have like super good knowledge of, but he was real familiar like a lot of trip hop like Portishead and Bjork, and he loved Smashing Pumpkins and like a little bit more heady um intricate and like emotional and melancholy type stuff um and then let's see derek our other guitar player um was more like the foundational writer like he was really good at writing riffs and writing like the the inspiration 
of like a song like coming up with a good chord structure or a good first riff and then matt could put layers on it and help you know go from there um and yeah marshall was really the guy that showed me all the cool rap and the cool hip-hop um trying to think of who else like it's hard to say like specific bands Wait, that i would we, say were we their mention Derek? yeah Derek, who i said second he was he was like um he was the he was really good at writing like the foundation of the riff and the chord progression um and like the he would be the guy who would typically come up with like the first riff for a song and start it from scratch well he was um, doing the clean vocals too right yeah oh yeah that's right yeah, yeah yeah um but i was writing the vocals and the melodies uh why did you pass them off to him then because i know you can sing so well so at the time i wasn't so this was like um it was funny so we we did our very first record the one before this and we had a different guitar player and singer at the time and then derek joined the band as our second guitar player and he was gonna take over the singing from that that guy had done on the record and so derek was singing those songs on tour and so we we're like all right he's the clean singer i'm the screamer um back in the day i was i was clean singing as well but i was really really bad at first and had really bad pitch and so i just stuck to screaming um and then on this record i did sing a little bit but derek had the more experience singing live and so it was weird i i can't remember why he sang certain songs and i sang others um but it just be, it was just that way that i would i would write the vocals and the lyrics and stuff but always with the intention of having him sing just because that's the formula i think we were used to live um but you know it's funny because when we were writing that record we had a bass player right uh luke fletcher uh one of my best friends from you know, back in school was uh you know he was in our, our band for several years and he was our bass player on the previous record and so i remember we were working on this and the whole time we're writing all this stuff um you know i was just writing the vote i was not thinking about Oh, I'm going to have to play bass on these songs. I was just, just writing the vocals and such. Um, but then, you know, he, he moved on to, to other things and wanted to, you know, pursue a career and, and a job and everything. So he decided to leave the band. And um, so then we we're, you know, we we're rehearsing songs and writing and I played guitar. So I was like, okay, well, I'll play the bass while we, you know, jam the song for the first time. I don't have the vocals written yet. So I'll just play the bass. And uh, I remember my brother, like, slowly kind of convincing everyone like, yo, you should just you should just be the you should just be the bass player and the vocalist and we were like what like no that's so weird you know because i had spent the whole uh beginning of my touring career as as just the vocalist you know like i've run around the stage and uh you interact with the crowd and stuff and then um over time i got comfortable playing the bass while we were rehearsing stuff and they were like well we'll just record it and then we'll figure it out afterwards and then um we just never uh felt like we wanted to bring anyone new in so we're like fuck it we just now you now you sing and play bass and there you go <laughs> so that's how that happened there you go four years go by what is the gap between strangers only and unreal i feel like that's kind of a long time oh yeah did you leave rise or get dropped oh so it's we left i'm sure they would have dropped us at some point but we wanted to leave because we wanted to uh release a record independently um and so we were able to get off the label and we had a record so so in that time 
toured, you know, we toured for a while and, and kind of, you know, stayed around relatively the same size and we're making enough money to just kind of keep going. And um, we kind of developed our sound a little bit. It was really um, a a big hurdle and like a big learning curve for me to get used to performing these songs uh, as a bass player and a singer and kind of like figure out like how to how to perform them, how to interact with the crowd, you know, because the whole uh, blueprint that I had seen and, and had grown up, you know, sort of striving for of, you know, the, the metal core, the lead singer, front man, you know, crowd interaction persona didn't make sense with these songs and, and with having a bass and, and playing these tracks. So there was like a real big learning curve for that. Um, but so anyway, so we, we toured on that and kind of got more comfortable with the sound and everything. And we decided um, we we're just going to keep writing. So we did write a record that we were thinking about releasing independently, but just kind of it just kind of sat for too long. And our manager at the time was was trying to convince us to to go with another label. Um, and so most of that time was spent playing shows and, and we were writing and we did have what would I would say is close to a whole record's worth of material at the time, but then you know how it is. By the time uh, we did end up signing to another label, those songs had kind of grown stale to us, and so we wanted to just keep writing and progressing. And so that's how we kind of moved on to the songs that ended up on Unreal, and the the demos from before kind of just got shelved. I was playing catch up on this because I had never heard Unreal. I when I, I mean I heard Strangers Only and was like, well, this is the last album I'll ever need. <laughs> so I, I really hadn't heard Unreal until we had booked this interview. And then I was, I've been listening to it for the last week or two. And I'm like, son of a bitch, these guys were doing the Deftones thing before everyone was doing it too. Hmm. Like, it's crazy. Like, you guys <laughs> were doing the more melodic side of alternative metal and new metal. And um, how did you end up progressing over to this sound? Was there a more of a conscious decision? Like, well, we got to come up with something else. Um, I think so. I think we, um, I think we got a little jaded and we were, got a little pretentious with, um, heavy music, just kind of, um, I, you know, I don't want to speak ill of anybody because it's not like there was, you know, um, you know, that we're fucking no better than anybody else, but just, I think after a while, the, the attachment to, you know, metalcore and, and, and it kind of, the the scene we found ourselves at the, at the time we just kind of didn't feel um connected to as much and so i think we kind of i don't want to say turned our back on like the heavy side of things but definitely kind of got a chip on our shoulder about it and i think that's kind of one of the things i i regret most about writing in that time of you know we weren't really i don't think that we were being fully open you know to to writing the best songs i think we had a little bit of a of something to prove and and trying to you know uh trying to you know be better in our in our own uh like way of looking at ourselves but so um that's kind of how that record ended up a little bit more um you know alternative and less heavy i remember thinking that i don't remember thinking this but i, I look back on it now and was thinking oh you know we're taking ourselves a little too seriously i think and, and putting a little too much pressure on ourselves i still think the record came out good but um, you know, there's definitely a little bit of tension there with not being 100% okay with who you are when you're trying to write something. It is a much more settled record. Mm -hmm. There's, It is a much more straightforward record with mm -hmm. um, the songwriting, and I think it comes off great. In, in fact, it actually reminds me a lot of the band Fleshwater. I'll have to check them out. Never heard of them. 
Really? Yeah, they yeah. have this new album out. It's a it's a guy and a girl singer, and it's, they've got this new record out that's very new metal with um some of these sonic touches, and it's been making pretty big waves and is phenomenal. And uh, so you've got this new. Uh, well, okay. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm almost about to jump ahead, way ahead. Is my ticket home still together? Or did you guys break up? No, we're still we're uh we're not broken up. We're just we're just bad. So. Uh, we're not broken new record. up. We've new we've record. All... Hang on, I'm tweeting it right now. New record. Uh, I would think there'll be new music at some point for sure. It's I I feel so guilty because like I there have been times where we'll like post about it or whatever and just they haven't followed through. But so where we are right now is basically, um, you know, guys are older. They're um, you know, engaged or married and have jobs. And I remember, uh, I think the last tour we did was right around 2017. And like Derek had to fucking, he had to quit his job to go on the tour because it was this big three month long tour. And you know, what, what steady job is going to let you just leave for three months, you know? And so it kind of got to the point after that where it was like, all right, well, you know, I was lucky that I had, a, I did have a gig where um, I worked live sound at a, at a club in town and they were cool and would let me, you know, they were like, okay, we'll text us when you get back. But, you know, I was like, well, I can't it's not fair to ask somebody to, Hey, you know, you got to start over from scratch every time we come back from a tour and you got to quit your job and do all this sort of stuff. And then just a bunch of other life stuff happened. Um, and we were still writing. We wrote, got a bunch of demos after unreal, maybe close to a full record's worth, but they're just demos. But some of them, some of them are, are mostly finished and some of them are, you know, in, still in the early stages, but um, you know, we're always trying to, to write and, and keep the, the process going. Um, but yeah, I think that there will definitely be new music at some point. It's just a different challenge now for us to do it. You know, I mean, the the mentality I'm trying to approach it with is is very much like this modern mentality of um, kind of how I was making music with the Head Cave project that I've been doing, where it's like, you know, you can write a song over Skype or Zoom now, or you don't have to write it there, but like if you've everyone's got their their little home studio now and the, their project studio and so somebody can write a riff and send it over email and somebody else can you know mess with it and write their version to it and i can sing on it and marshall can drum on it and you know everybody can make their their contribution to a song and even if we're never even in the same room you can still make music that way. And it's very much this modern approach of like each guy having their own little studio and putting their, you know, ingredient into the pot and kind of just going back and forth over emails and, and Dropbox and all that sort of thing. So that's kind of how I want to do it. I think that's kind of the only way it could happen at the moment, just because, you know, these guys, um, you know, I'm single, but the other guys have, you know, families and jobs and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I think that um, new music will happen at some point, but um, it's just in how figuring out how that process is going to go. Do you think you can make another great record though with that approach? When you recorded Strangers Only, were you all in the same room? Yeah, for sure. We but we didn't record it live. So, but we were writing it together. But yeah, I definitely think so because even even on like the demos and Unreal, it was it wasn't like we were all always together. You know, someone would start a riff or a song and we'd work on it with, you know, maybe me, Derek and Marshall would take it for a while and then Matt would hear it, have his first impressions and he'd add his layers and then we'd all get together and reevaluate and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think you definitely can. And and there's actually, I think, a benefit to doing it that way of sometimes when like say you have an idea and you want to try it 
But if you were to describe it, it might sound like a dumb idea. But if you were to just do it, or you could play it, or you could demo it, or you could actually, you know, tangibly um, get it down into audio somehow, and then someone could hear it, they could, they, it might be like, oh, that actually does work. Versus if you just told me that, I would say no. You know, so sometimes you just you have just defined new metal. Oh, yeah. That's kind of how the whole genre works. You tell okay, people you about it and it's like, yeah. that sounds like shit. And you're like, yeah. I know, but hear me out. Yeah. I think that you guys could be greeted, though, as, conquer as conquering heroes to return. Because that's every time I ever, ever put up any of your music, it feels like there's always a hundred something people coming around going, I love these guys. These guys were so ahead of it. So underrated. Well, I guess that that depends if we write good songs or not. We could come back and people. For, like, no, you could, you could fuck it all up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> It could happen, but I don't think that it would. But I will say, but I will say every time we've released a record, it has never been, you know, it has never been like, oh, my God, this is awesome. It's always a slow burn. Like, I mean, I remember we put out Strangers Only and nobody gave a fuck. We put out Unreal. Nobody gave a fuck. And I think a lot of that has to come down to with a like the fact that we switched our styles up so dramatically between records. So we've never been consistent at all. So you're like screwing with people's expectations and making it harder for them to like identify and, and get attached to your band because you're always you know doing something you know that doesn't that's not what's expected we're, and um and then also waiting you know several years between records and then never really never really catching fire in the first place you know so if we put something out and people don't like it it would be par for the course you know give them six years and then maybe they would I got to bring this up because I wanted to bring up earlier and forgot who was the one to lay down those Tom Morello-esque guitar turntable solos. Oh, that's Matt. Oh my God. It's so funny to hear him doing those because it's like, why don't I ever hear people do this? Yeah. Like, man, this is so badass. It's a really underutilized technique. When like, it's done, what? it fucking rocks. I know. I think I always feel like that people are afraid they'll get compared to Tom Morello. So they're just like, well, we can't do that. Yeah. yeah. And then so you hear what? it done. He rocks. I know. And then you hear it done on these songs. You're like, yo, this shit is crazy. Yeah. I think he does it on two of the songs. The It's in Spit Not Chewed, right? And then You All Know Better Than Me, I think. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was just, you know, again, it was just. We loved Biscuit and they got a DJ. Well, we don't have a DJ, but, you know, that's kind of the same sound. Um, I forget. I think it kind of is one of those things where we just it probably started as a joke and somebody was like, actually, that's cool. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you, sometimes you do something as a joke and then, you know, you go back to what you think is your serious idea and you're kind of like some it's not as fun it's it's something's missing so we just ended up keeping it but i feel bad he he you know he grew to hate it after a while and i don't i think he stopped playing oh, it live but yeah but he come but then no. he came but then he came back around full circle and like yeah it's cool but come yeah, on yeah, this shit whips. This is, see this is what you didn't have that you you have now is you got me motherfucker <laughs> you're coming back <laughs> hey. you're coming back with this new music and i'm gonna break that shit i'm gonna make sure that shit beats because i'm not letting that happen again uh -uh. cool man yeah, I, you know, I talked to this band. We were friends with this band, this incredibly talented band called Cheem, and they are doing new metal music, very proudly new metal music, but also really bold new metal music now. And when we did, we had them on the podcast. They have a singer and a rapper, and they were doing stuff in like 2018. And I asked them, I was like, how did people react when you brought like a rapper out? And they were like, people fucking hated us. Yeah, I could I could see that because it was like, um, like really like you're gonna be a uh i mean they they veer more toward like the emo side of things mm -hmm. so they were playing like house shows and stuff and they bring out a guy to rap and you know mm -hmm. like 
like, could you even imagine in 2018 if the emo band brought out a rapper? Like, you'd just be like, this can't be happening. Yeah, that is, that is does sound like an interesting combination. I, I, I remember some bands had two vocalists, but it was in the metalcore scene, it was you had the clean singer and the, the screamer, right? Yeah. So, yeah, but not a rapper. But that, no. I know, I think there was, who was, I think there was maybe one band I had seen do that, but. But then with your music, with Strangers Only, when I listen to Strangers Only, it sounds to me like, oh, this came out yesterday. It, it just feels like it's brand new. So I don't know what it would have been like to even get into this in 2013. Like mm. it connected with a lot of people, but I guess it just didn't connect with the people that had plugs with Octane Radio on Sirius XM. Mm. I, I, I'm not sure. I think it was, you know, we, I think a lot of it was we didn't have, we didn't have good, you know, branding and image and marketing and that sort of thing. And, you know, we weren't that popular of a band to begin with. We're still so new and so young and didn't have, I think, uh, I think a big thing that we, we, we didn't embrace the internet and, and social media as much as we should. You know, I always looked at it like a chore, you know, something you had to do. And I think that was really to our downfall. I remember back in the day, like you know, back in high school, when MySpace was the the uh, the place for you know you to market your band and stuff. I remember th taking it. I remember really enjoying it then and thinking of it like it was my own. You know, like it felt natural to participate in it. But then I don't know something. As I got older over the years with social media, it, it always felt forced and felt fake. And so we never liked to do it. And especially as a band, you know, it felt it was weird. Um, so yeah, I think it was a combination of a lot of things, but you know, as far as like why it's not popular, I mean, who knows? I could, I could think about it forever. Why the albums wasn't popular. Yeah. Well, at the time of release. You know, oh, I, I know don't... exactly. I know exactly why it wasn't popular because it was a very proudly rock record in an era where you needed to apologize for that kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and by apologize, I mean like you needed to have big synths on your song. You need to have EDM breakdowns you need to have mm -hmm. dubstep bass. Like you didn't do any of that shit, dude. Like it was five guys or it was four guys banging out these songs, looking at each other going, this kicks ass. There was no market for that. Yeah. You know, you had to pander, you had to compromise, you had to make other decisions. And mm. for this one, it's like for 10 tracks in a row, every one of you guys is just picking the thing you're best at and beating the shit out of that for 10 tracks. And it's like, mm. you weren't allowed to do that at the time. It reminds me a lot of like the strokes when they put out, is this it? And it was just like, we're going to make a rock record that sounds like the bands we love. And that's mm. what they did. And, you know, you know, if fucking if the fucking indie press didn't have their head up their ass, they would have brought this on like they did to that one. But, you know, speaking of the indie press, did you guys ever catch like any fury or wrath from them like uh, Dark Complex did? No, man, I don't. I think we were just dude, we just weren't like um, I think I, the album just got ignored. Kind of. I mean, it not to say that like, oh, you know, boohoo, poor us or anything like that. It just never, um, you know, uh, it didn't seem we were just a small band, you know? Yeah. So you guys kind of, uh, I guess that is the silver lining to not getting a lot of press. Cause like, I don't know if you're familiar with dark complex, but in 2015, when they dropped their album, they got torn the fuck apart by all like, yeah. remember if it was yeah. NME or do you remember which one it was Kirk? Was it, I just remember hearing him talk about that, but then they also had trouble with their producer, like fucking with their sound. Right. Yeah, but like the press hated them though because they were a new metal band in the mid 2010s. So if you guys flew under the radar, maybe that's why you have such like a lasting underground legacy because you never actually got like your name associated with shit like they unfortunately did. Well, speaking of producers, you're the producers you work with Will Putney and Randy LeBeau. Randy LeBeau, yes. 
By the way, I just want to say the fact that you just said we have a lasting underground legacy is just is crazy to me. I mean, I it's true though. Like I can hear like your guys' sound like uh, bleeding into more metalcore bands as the 2010s go on. It was like you guys, for the most part, since you're the most new metal and a little bit of sworn in and Kane Hill that kind of led the charge for this modern new metal scene we're seeing. Every time I put up one of your songs, people come around and they're like, oh my fucking God, I love this band. Or they're like, I've never heard this before. I can't wait to check this out. And I can't imagine all these uh, new new metal bands existing if it wasn't for, well, mostly, again, mostly you guys, but that early new metalcore scene that was going on. Man, that's just fucking crazy. I mean, I I don't know if I can if I can see it that way, but the but thank you for you know just the fact that you know um, people are even still talking about the record is is cool. You know, um, my highest priority doing this day in and day out isn't to like get memes off and go viral and stuff. It's to find these albums that did not get the respect they deserved and bring them back to prominence. Like. To have this happen in 2013 and people just ignore it—that's like I'm—I'm I'm fucking mad about that all. I'm fucking mad about that right now. <laughs> like, like that can't happen. I can't let that happen like that. There's a whole history of rock and metal music that the kids need to know about, and Strangers Only is like a landmark part of this of this scene. And we have to just make sure that people understand that going forward. That's how we grow as like a scene. Well, man, I just have to say like a massive thank you to you. And um, I, I hadn't I hadn't heard of um, you guys before you you messaged me, but I was going through uh, your Twitter from what I saw. And um, man, you're like, it is very impressive. I mean, I've already found I found like three bands that I hadn't heard of, you know, from the stuff that you're doing. So, you know, I mean, to hear you say that and, and to, to have, you know, that goal you're certainly succeeding in spades so yeah because that's the crazy thing about new metal is when you just get into like even the slightly underground stuff you're just like holy shit yeah (laughs) like there's so many bands that i've never heard of and because there were just there was no press to like i mean indie rock had a big press to cover those kind of acts you know what i mean who was covering underground new metal the prp and that's it really Oh, you know what? They were. I wasn't on that. I mean, I was on that website at the time, so I wouldn't know. But yeah, but there just even wasn't... then, there's was only so much they could do. They were the only game in town. Like you said, Indie Rock, every, they got a million fucking websites. And that's just fucking ballistic to me. I feel like mm. I find a new band every week that's like, whoa, this is, this is incredible. I got to put this on. So we just, yeah, we've got to fix that. And I think that we can fix that every single day just by posting about it. Um, but to bring us back to like the modern era, so introduce us all to Head Cave. Oh, okay. So Head Cave is a, a new band that I'm doing with a good friend of mine. His name's Nick DePiro. Uh, he plays guitar in that band Night Versus. So uh, him and I would have met back in 2013. Um, this was right when Strangers Only had come out and we went on this you know, headlining tour and they were one of the bands on the tour. Um, and yeah, man, they were so cool. I mean, you, you always make friends with the bands that you tour with, but sometimes, you know, some are closer than others. And and they were ones that we really got along well with. Um, and Nick is just a, um, there's guitar players to me. There's, there's certain guitar players where they, I feel like they have a voice, you know, a distinct voice, a distinct style, a distinct, you know, sound and flavor. You know, there's some guys that are just super tight, you know, play really well or, or, or they can write good songs. But, you know, there's other guys that I feel like they just they just they speak through the guitar. And, and Nick always struck me as one of those guys. And um, so we were good buddies. And um, he I forget when it was, but at one point he um, sent me some instrumental stuff that he was 
doing and asked me if I would want to do vocals on it. Um, and I remember when I heard it, I was like, yeah, this is cool. That, that would be fun. But, you know, it just kind of never happened. And then um, when My Ticket Home started slowing down in 2018, um, I think it was maybe 2018, 2000. Yeah, it would have been 2018, early 2019. Um, you know, I was just getting antsy um, and wanted to work on some music. And, and um, he had just had some songs that he put up on his on his Instagram. And I was like, I, I heard one of them and just had this vocal idea and really liked it. So um, I decided I was going to do a whole song for it and write vocals to it. Um, I didn't, you know, tell him I was doing any of this. I just decided to do it for myself and then to see how it turned out. And then I did it. I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. Let me send it to him, see what he thinks. And I was hoping what, or what I was hoping would happen happened where he, he heard it, he liked it. And he was like, would you want to do a project? And I was like, man, absolutely. Yes. When I went through your IG, uh, I went on one of those announcement posts you made about that music and I went to the comments and the first comment with 12 likes was we need my ticket home. Mm -hmm. Does that get to you? No. So I feel bad. So um, my, my sister-in-law always gives me shit. Cause she's like, so I, what I thought is, is that I have this sort of like uh, ideal scenario in my mind of like, Oh, one day we're just going to put out a bunch of music and it'll be like, come, we're going to come out of nowhere and we're going to post a bunch of stuff. We're going to drop a bunch of music you know, no promotion, no, none of this, you know, teaser hype, you know, industry crappers going to release a bunch of songs. And then, you know, that'll be that. And so I have thought about like, oh, I feel bad because I feel like on one hand, you know, it would, I feel bad because people like our band and they want to know what we're doing. But on the other hand, I just don't know what to say. So I'm like, oh, you know, it'll just be cool. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just wait. So we drop some songs and then we'll just be like, yeah, that's it. For my ticket home? Yeah. No, you better not do that shit. I'm gonna conduct your entire not do that. reunion tour. No, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna make this happen. It's gonna be a big production. Oh no! See, my fantasy is like I'm gonna take all the demos, right? Because so here's my thing, right? Like I'm think I'm thinking like further down the line, right? Like I'm thinking like when I'm dead, right? I would rather have songs not, you know, have just sat on my hard drive, even if they're not f like even if they're not what I would say are great or finished or whatever. Like in a world where people have heard these songs or they haven't heard them. I'd rather there be a world where people have heard them. So it's like, uh, in my mind, the ideal scenario is, you know, we drop like 30 or 40 songs and that's it. And it's like, there you go. 30 or 40 songs. I don't know if I could spin that and be like, oh man. Well, not as a, separate things, right? There's like, there's like the, the, um, the album that was, that was, uh, between, Strangers Only and Unreal. And then there was the album that was right after Unreal. And then there was a new collection of songs. And then there was like B-sides and covers. And it was like they were they would be cataloged and separated. And it's like, yeah, go through what you want. But it, so but would that be to like relieve the pressure of people being like, man, we miss my ticket home? Because it's got to be weird to hear people say like, bring my ticket home back when you're like, dude, my ticket home wasn't even successful. Like <laughs> it's that's a little funny. Like it's like, oh. Um, it's kind of funny, like our, our streaming numbers are better now than they ever were, like when we were active and touring. Not that they're amazing, like, but you know, it's just funny to see like, wow, we've got, you know, like three times the amount of, you know, streams is, I mean, I guess Spotify is more popular now, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just funny, like we haven't, we're totally, you know, inactive and the numbers are better than they were when we were, you know, touring every month. Yeah, because I'm I'm a hard worker. <laughs> it must be someone. <laughs> What's your favorite song off the album? Which one? Um, Strangers Only. Uh, that's a good question. 
I like different things about them because at that time I was still writing guitar a little bit. So like some of those riffs I, I had input in. And so I'm, I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, that was kind of like the last of my guitar writing sort of era. So I sort of like, you know, think of, oh, when I think of that song, I'm like, oh, it's cool that, you know, I remember writing that. But um, I don't know. What do I think is the best song on the record? Hot Soap did get to me good because the guitar, it starts right with that guitar riff. And it's I think I think it'd probably be Hot Soap because if I was going to show someone that record, I would probably show them a Hot Soap. That fucking worked for me. Yeah, because the guitar riff just it's it's it sounds like it's what what tuning were you guys playing in? Uh, That was drop a sharp at the time. Really? Oh, that's low. Yeah. That might be a little lower than I would have thought. But so it's one step below B. Right. Yeah. So because I mean, C was kind of this. The C was kind of the standard, I think, for a lot of the metalcore bands. And then some of the bands were in B. And so we were like, oh, cool. Let's go, you know, let's go one lower. So 20th anniversary tour. Oh, right. Uh, that would be cool. I don't I don't know if we'll ever tour again. That would be um, a tall ask. Uh, I like the idea if we ever did play another show. I think that would be cool. The other last year for my brother's birthday, I, I uh, rented a rehearsal space um, and like got his drum kit from my dad's house and uh, Derek came and uh, we brought like his rehearsal amp and stuff. And I like, it was, I like got him to come down there, but didn't tell him what it was and it made it like a surprise. And, you know, we just hung out and, and jammed for like the evening and it was really fun, man. And it's cool. It's, it's interesting how, you know, I don't think it would take that much longer or like that much work for us to like, tight to play a show i mean derek still plays guitar marshall still plays drums i still sing you know we're all just kind of separate doing it um so yeah it's just it's been strange i mean it's like life pulls you in different directions and as you get older you know it's it, the the luxury of doing music full time is not something that was there for us so i think the challenge is now is just finding ways to to be okay with that and to not have it you know f consume your identity to where you know, it, the fact that, oh, you know, you may not have as much time doesn't mean that you still can't, doesn't mean that you're not still a musician and that you can't still write songs and that you can't still, you know, make something worthwhile. It just might take longer and be harder to schedule. And, you know, you can't do maybe all the extra stuff around it like, you know, you did when the band was your whole thing. But that's okay. I mean, I, I think the idea of, of doing some music in the future is worth it. So what you're saying is, is that the My Ticket Home royalties aren't great. I don't know if there are any. Let's. I'm not even sure. You're uh, like. You're like, huh? Actually, we probably. I think we probably still owe money to the record label. To, uh, let's. I, I don't know. One yeah. check or two at this point, man. There's an adorable screenshot that I had booked because I was just cursorily scrolling through your Instagram, and there was a screenshot you had posted of the day this came out. It was a screenshot of the iTunes store. Oh, that's cool. And you were like, yeah, and it was all the songs for a dollar twenty nine. I'm like, that's man, cool. I'm like those were the days yeah man that is cool i yeah it's on it's, your tiny little iphone 6 yeah dude yeah and man it's funny because it's probably didn't take you that long to get that far back because I, I post i post like never but i'm you know trying to get better at that but yeah i i'm i'm thinking back to that time i mean it's it feels like it's weird it feels like a, a long time ago and and yet not that long ago Cause yeah, cause 2013 to me is it's such a it's such a dead zone when it comes to the history of rock. It feels to me like a, well, okay, I was thinking about this earlier. The only really significant thing that did seem to happen in 2013, and it was super significant to me, even if I didn't know it at the time, was Balance and Composure put out that record. What's that record called? 
Not Anyone sure. Balancing composure. I think there's a big rock related event in 2013 that you're missing, but go ahead and finish your thought and then I'll point that out. Okay. Well, yeah. So balancing composure put out a record and that record had incorporated a lot of Deftones influences in it. And that was one of the first times, at least I can remember that that had ever happened where someone had really proudly integrated their love of Deftones. And it, it was in retrospect, it was actually a really big uh, earthquake that seemed to be happening just in the tectonic plates. I mean, it's almost like there was a two sides of the coin and Balancing Composure were on that Deftone side where you had a sound that was going to catch hold with the indie Cognacetti and you mm -hmm. were on the more raucous corn uh, and Limp Bizkit side that people even to this day have trouble embracing. And I just want to say, you guys were fucking right. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Man. We don't need um, any more Deftones ripoffs, people. I'm telling you. Enough. But uh, in 2013, that's when Bring Me the Horizon dropped Simp Eternal, which is like one of the biggest rock albums of all time. But that was kind of like a big last two raw for rock music in the mainstream. After that, it kind of died. And they kind of killed it because like the big singles were very synth laden, as you were kind of expressing distaste for earlier. Yeah, because they weren't writing like, bro, all of the biggest metalcore bands were just writing pop songs with distortion. And that's mm. kind of, I don't mean to turn this into the Bring the Horizon episode, but it's kind of their fault. Like, I really like Sempaternal, but they leaned way too heavy into the sense going forward after that. Well, they, and that's kind they, of what killed rock in the mainstream. They did what they had to do. See, but they did what they had to do. That's the problem with rock and metal becoming a, a genre that follows instead of leads is that you have a band like that, that they, everyone in that band has at least probably like $828,000 in their bank accounts. It's a very specific because, number. All right. You know, they, because they did, they followed correctly. Like they followed correctly. And whereas a band like My Ticket Home were more bold in their inspirations and created a sound that was more stripped down and raw and... Nick doesn't have $823,000 in his bank. I mean, mm. I th I don't think he does. Not that I've seen. Man, it's funny you say So I think I what I the phenomenon I remember happening was, you know, um, you've got a lot of bands that come up in the metalcore scene, right? And the, the screamo and the emo, you know, side of things. And then I think that what I remember thinking was there was like the obvious trend, not the obvious, but the, the sort of phenomenon would happen where those bands would have the desire to be taken seriously by either by the industry or by, you know, wanting to, you know, improve their, their reach or their sales or their audience. And inevitably people sort of kind of lean to that wanting to trying to write songs for the radio or have a song that would be worthy of the radio or like a big successful, you know, single and a big successful chorus. And, you know, it's that sort of trend that, if you zoom out, you know, we kind of followed as well in the sense of like, you know, you got these bands that started playing this, you know, really heavy sort of chaotic, you know, just kind of like frantic music. And then sure enough, little by little, start falling more into a safer, you know, radio single structure, you know, trying to write the big chorus, everybody, you know, trying to have the big sing along, that type of thing. You're talking about Unreal? Uh, wouldn't, I guess, but like, no, I'm not I'm not saying unreal in that that's what we were trying to do, but I'm saying that's the phenomenon I remember happening right, with a lot yeah. of the metalcore bands yes, and the peers. Totally. And and if you if you were to zoom out, you know, you could say that about us because Unreal wasn't as like high energy and chaotic of a record. Um but so I think that is kind of um what I remember happening around that time as well. It, like your point of view is probably a lot more accurate, I don't want to say accurate, but 
clearer than mine considering you're actually in a band and in the scene and i was just some fucking 15 year old in los angeles <laughs> but do you know like does that make sense though like yeah, I, just, I get what you're saying cause though because I, I just remember that, de- that definitely checks out to me because i yeah because i i think that you know it it's which is understandable right because i think that you have you know you start out and you're 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 you're, you're a teenager early 20s and, and you're making these um, you know, these chaotic sort of he- hectic records, but then you get in recognition and then, you know, you naturally sort of start to look up, right. And to see like what the, what the bigger opportunities are that are there. And, you know, you kind of have these meetings with these people in the industry and, you know, you see these other, you, you see these bands, you know, and you have the concept of like, Oh, would it, you know, having a really big song. And, you know, eventually, you know, I, I think that that just kind of um, drew a lot of people and attracted a lot of people. And I think that at, if you're not careful, you can lose what you had going at the cost of trying to, you know, uh, write something that's, that's more successful. Did you guys try to climb the ladder? Not, not in that way. That's why I think, um, um, I just remember thinking that we knew what we didn't want to do. And there was a sense of, I don't think no, I don't think we were trying to do it like that of climb the ladder. I, I think we did we did have too much of the mentality of like um seeking approval from people in the industry and thinking that like, oh, if you meet the right person, they'll open all the doors for you and they'll make your band successful. And I think that we missed the truth that was there all along that I think is more obvious now than ever, which is that all you need to do is go straight to the fans. And the internet is a super highway straight to the fans. You know what I mean? It's literally instant connection 24-7 if you do it right. And I think that's what we were missing at the time. Um, but no, I, yeah, so I, I, if we did try to climb the ladder, we did it in an uh, ass-backwards way because it did not work. Did you? What was your ceiling, though? What were you guys imagining? Were you like, we're going triple platinum and touring the world? Or? No, no, never anything like that. I mean, of course, you 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 know, you have those those fantasies i mean i i would be lying if i said i didn't of course you know you 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 think that oh that would be so cool um but no i just like um it's the same goal i have now which would just be to you know to be able to um do music in a way that allows me to sustain myself and keep making music is that's more than enough for me um and so i think that you know there were bands that that were successful enough to do so and those are the bands that are still around you know from our time uh from you know from that we were touring with at the time um and so yeah i think that's still my goal um doesn't have to be you know like the the next biggest thing but just just good enough you know to keep to keep doing it i think that it it, me and you are millennials and z's generation z but i think for us millennials our ambition is like whatever i can do if i could just afford health insurance <laughs> no i'm sure. in the same boat as you guys on that one <laughs> pretty much we're just like man that would be great yeah. like our parents their dreams were just like yeah i'm gonna have a house and i'm gonna have 42 million dollars in the bank and us it's like man it'd be great if i go to the doctor without being broke yeah it's funny i i never i i rarely if ever thought about music through the lens of money or finances probably because they're we we never saw any, so it didn't occur to me that way. Um, but yeah, I don't think that was. It was more abstract of you know you just have this idea of you know you want to matter and you want to be, you want to. Uh, it's like an identity thing, you know. You want to you want to feel like you're um, 
doing something worthwhile. So I think that was always like what drove me. And I think probably still, still does. You sowed seeds. The seeds are starting to bloom, my friend. I'm telling you, people love this and they want to, and I think they're only now just starting to come around to the idea that it was a quietly revolutionary record and it's time. And, uh, when you're doing those in-store signings of the 20th anniversary release, just be like, man, that guy was right. That crazy ass guy from the internet was, he was right. That's pretty cool, man. I mean, I, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you hear what there are like, um, I'm sure there are countless examples. I, I can't think of them now, but of, you know, uh, authors or, um, you know, painters or people like that, where their work, they never became famous until after they were dead. Um, oh, geez. Well, you're you know not that yet, are you? No, 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 no. But but I'm saying like that concept, right? Of like your the concept just uh, that I always remember that sticking with me of like you know imagine you know you've worked your whole life at something or on something, and you know then you to have die. It blow up after you, you yeah know, you die just, and you're like well no one cared. But then it, but Goodbye. then people do you know and like I'm not not to you know that's very obviously uh, you know I don't want to have delusions of grandeur or anything like that. It's it's uh, I'm not putting it to that scale, but it's just the interest, you know, that interesting sort of phenomenon of like, that's what's so cool about music. It's, it's forever, you know, and if it matters to someone a hundred years from now or 10 years from now or, or, you know, whatever, like it's, it's, that still matters. You know, that's, what's so great about it is that it's forever. Yeah. Cause I'm just, I'm just over here posting shit, but if I post something that connects to somebody, they discover some new band off of it and spend the rest of their lives listening to that like that's amazing yeah no awesome doubt. no Fuck doubt. twitter if i could put some music <laughs> in your life like damn yeah we do yeah, need to man. get your flower we do need to get you your flowers though while you're still young and handsome that's for sure okay yeah you know and i know that after i know you've been hitting the gym hard so i think you're ready for this comeback hmm. well thank you man and i'm i'm you know i'm trying to it's funny because it when i when i see the guys like i just saw everybody uh, a couple months ago for matt's wedding um, congratulations, Matt, again. Um, congrats, Matt. We, yeah. we, uh, we all talk about this stuff, you know, and it, and it feels, it feels like, you know, like, um, like obviously we're not like that old, but it feels a little bit like, oh yeah, I remember back, you know, in the, in the high school days or the college days or whatever. Um, but you know, we're, I think that for me, like the reason I wanted to really still focus on it is, and, and do this project with Head Cave and everything is that I feel like I still have, a lot of drive to to make music and to be a musician and i still have a lot of songs and you know things to to get out and not that the other guys don't they just have something that is more meaningful pulling them in a different direction you know like a, a family and a, and a job and a another person um but that doesn't mean that they don't still have things to contribute to music as well and so every time i see them i'm always kind of like trying to plant these little seeds of like hey man let's hey man let's know. work on some stuff you know Still so i think it'll happen dude speaking of man yeah i did i got uh i got my brother um i got him an electric drum kit for uh just past christmas but i got him like a like a, a cool one like an actual you know like a um uh one that you know he can play on and and actually track track to like a so, professional grade yeah yeah it was one of the it was like a, one of the roland ones um it's pretty yeah, sweet that rock band two bullshit no no i guess <laughs> the thing i i knew i was like well i i was already kind of like oh i wonder if he'll if he'll think this is cool but you know i'm like i because he, he's coming from of course you know an acoustic kit so if i if i get him some electric kit that's like not up to snuff he's gonna think this is a toy so i wanted to get him like one that he could enjoy playing you know um because yeah. my goal is 
get him his little home studio. Derek and Matt already have theirs. I've got mine. The pieces are all there. The songwriting can happen. So yeah, that's that's my goal. You're stealthily putting the band back together. I am, I love it. but it's not even subtle because everyone knows, and they all want the same thing. You know, is every time we see each other, all we do is talk about music. But then you know, life goes on, and we kind of go back to our separate worlds and stuff. But it'll happen. Where did the bad band name My Ticket Home come from? Uh, I think I stole it from a YouTube channel back in the day. I forget where I saw it. Um, this would have been, this would have been 2008, maybe. I think when we started. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that I saw it on a YouTube channel, and that's where I got it. Z, do you want to? Do you have any questions before I I wrap this one? I did, but I'm not gonna lie to you. Some edibles just kicked in. <laughs> And my no mind but, is going man, blank. You know what, right man? <laughs> 815 on a Sunday night, man. We can't That's judge you. you can't it. judge. That's when you do it. Do you have any edible style questions you want to ask? And if they're bad, I can cut them out. You know? Um get metaphysical with it. Take us there. Take us on a journey. Well, you put me on the spot, so no. And you're in hell. <laughs> you're like, please shut the fuck up. Please don't do this to me right now. All right. All I'm saying is I thought I had another 15 minutes in me and I didn't. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. I do want to wrap this up by saying thank you so much, Nick, for checking your Instagram message requests and coming on the show. Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. It was um, seriously a pleasure to talk to you guys and um, hear all the kind words about, about the band means definitely means a lot to me. And it's so cool to see that um, people are still listening and, and, and new people are hearing it. So of course, we're really, really glad to have you. Like, we're huge fans of Strangers Only, and we can't wait to see what the future holds. Hopefully, you guys are able to do something together soon or ever, really. I'm just excited to see what happens. Wrap it up by telling the people what's coming up with Head Cave. Okay. Um, well, Nick and I are just trying to uh, put out as much of music as rapidly as possible. Um, we just had a song come out the other day. Our My goal, and, and I think him and I have the same goal now, is to... Um, just have like a steady feed of new songs coming out all the time. Um, he was really, really good with, uh, he was writing a bunch of songs on his Twitch channel and like every month he had almost, you know, like a full album's worth of songs coming out every month. And it was just so cool to see him, you know, making all this music constantly. Um, and obviously it was a little easier during, you know, the quarantine and stuff like that. Everyone's at home, you're writing all, all day, every day. But I think kind of just harnessing that power of consistently bringing out music and just giving it straight to the people. Um, that's kind of what I want to do with this project. And and hopefully some new My Ticket Home comes later down the line as part of that. Well, well Nick, we're really excited to see what happens. We really fucking are. And Nick, it was great having you. And I'm going to just say this has been Holiday Kirk with the New Metal Agenda. Thanks to my co-host Z for making it out. Make sure to be always listening to New Metal at home whenever you can. Definitely go stream that motherfucker Strangers Only by My Ticket Home. We need to get this guy a royalty check or two before he's gone. Stream on real too. It's a good album. And you know what? Yeah, stream on real too. I don't mean to be underrating it this whole time. I'm coming to that one a little, a little green. That's all I'm saying. It's actually also a fantastic forward-looking record. Damn it. And then go check out that new head cave. Absolutely a pleasure, though. Thank you all so much. And good night.